Hello and welcome to the Win-Win Effect podcast with your host, Chris Ross. This is the show for anyone that wants to drive productivity and maximize potential in any industry. Let's take a moment. Have you ever wondered about the psychology behind the persuasive marketing driving you to take action, sometimes on products you never thought people would buy? Well, that's just what makes this podcast stand out from the others. On these episodes, Chris will break down proven strategies that his companies use to respectably enroll prospective students into the correct programs to achieve overall business success and fulfillment in life. You will get a rare centralized look into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships that I'm sure anyone tuning in will receive massive value from to implement instantly. There are huge quantities of informational material from companies just trying to sell products, but not many giving you the right information on how to build companies from solid foundations, focusing on customers actually winning as the outcome. The Win-Win Effect podcast is a character-based code for human interaction and collaboration in business. Time is the only non-renewable resource in life. So with this podcast, the outcome is designed to bring you value, to make it worth your time. Happy Money Monday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Win-Win Effect podcast. This is Chris Ross. For today's episode, we have a special guest that I will be interviewing that really doesn't need an introduction. But then again, let me tell you a little bit more about this guest. Years ago, our worlds collided. And since that time, we've always had mutual respect for one another since we have similar styles and most importantly, methodologies. There's a good chance you've seen his name partnered with Simon Sinek or the world famous Brian Tracy. Perhaps you may have caught his episode on Dropping Bombs podcast with Brad Lee he was a guest speaker on. And most recently, he invited me on to be a guest on his podcast, Closers or Losers. We had such a good time on his show, we decided to further our conversation to bring the listeners more value and more information on how they can be able to make more of an impact with their buyers. Jeremy has pioneered an internationally recognized sales training methodology that to date has helped more than 200,000 salespeople folks in 40 countries to achieve exceptional results. This remarkable success in sales training has been the natural progression of his extraordinary sales career in the training and educational products industry. For more than a decade in the industry, he has led global sales forces, developed sales training, and has been the top individual sales contributor at companies where he has exponentially increased revenues as a rule rather than as an exception. Jeremy is one of only four active sales trainers in the world with individual earnings as a salesperson of more than seven figures annually when he was in his sales career as either a W-2 or a 1099 employee. He has consistently been ranked one of the top sales income earners internationally, including 45th in the top 150 earners among the 80 million active salespeople in the direct selling industry. He is also the founder and CEO of 7th Level, and some of his clients include Google, Kia Motors, and Leon Financial, among many. To all the listeners out there, I highly recommend you grabbing a pen and piece of paper because you're not going to want to miss this conversation. Without any more delay, 
Please join me in welcoming Jeremy Miner to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Jeremy, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? You know, just being boring over here in Missouri in the States. <laughs> oh, come on now. It's not that boring, is it? Just sitting I'm at home? Just hanging out, you know, hanging out, working from home is what it is. Yes, living the dream, my friend. Any day that ends in Y, you got to be moving. That's for sure. That's right, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure's all mine. As you know, this show is all about increasing sales knowledge. I mean, not just for the seller, but for both sides of the buyer-seller relationships. And you know how much that plays a part, especially to, in today's world of sales. Sure. But before we dive into in-depth conversation as we normally do when we have conversations, do you mind sharing with some of the listeners how you came about developing all the sales knowledge you developed today? Well, I mean, I could probably spend about 10 hours going over that. So maybe I'll give you the, the brief version. Um, right. what, what I can do is I can give you um, maybe a little bit of my background because my background uh, relates to really, really, I would say what is necessary if your listeners want to take their sales mm -hmm. to the next level. Would that help? That would help. Completely, okay. please. So, and, I'll, and I'll be brief on this. So I got into sales 17 years ago. I was a broke college student and I got my first job uh, selling door-to-door. Uh, -door. I was selling home security systems. If any of you listening have, have ever sold door-to-door, -door, you know what I mean. Company hired pretty much everybody that applied because it was straight commission. You know, we're talking about 20, 21-year-old kids. They took us out into a van, gave us a script, dropped us off in the middle of a neighborhood, a not so safe neighborhood, <laughs> and basically said, hey, go make some sales. We'll pick you up when it's dark. And that was my introduction to selling. And I, you know, at that point, I really thought that selling was going to be easy because that's what the recruiter told me. Mm -hmm. Right. So I went out there. I mean, imagine this little kid, right? So I went out there. I started talking to my prospects about uh, the features and, and the benefits of the product and and how I was going to help them and, and do all this stuff for them. But I, I, I was stunned because I started getting all these objections. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's mm -hmm. not supposed to go this way. Like, nobody told me about this. Like, you know, they would say like, uh, we can't afford it or we don't need it or your price is too high or let me talk to my spouse. I need to think it over. You know, can you call me back in a week, a month, a year later? And I, I, ever, I finally got to the point after about, I don't know, probably six, seven weeks of nonstop rejection and, and really hardly making any sales that I got to a point where I was like, you know, maybe, maybe selling, maybe selling just wasn't for me. You know, have you ever, have you ever felt that way yourself? Completely. Um, yeah. When I very first got started, it was very similar to you, but it wasn't door to door. It was phone sales. Yeah. It, <laughs> they gave me a script. I think there was about six or seven different scripts. Yeah. And they gave me the product knowledge sheet and they called it slicks back in the day. I don't know if they still have it right. for all the products and services. And all I was doing was very similar to what you were doing. It was leading yeah. with the features and benefits mm -hmm. rather than focusing on how can I break through yeah. and have a real conversation. I mean, you have to, it's a human element has to come into play. Sure. You've you got to understand it's another person just like you that puts her pants on a similar way. <laughs> than you do every morning and exactly. just have a normal conversation. So I try to use a lot of the things that I use every day. Yeah. It's just having a conversation, leading with a one liner and just trying to get them to laugh and loosen up a little bit. Sure. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I remember the, the, the time that this, this really hit me, but 
you know, as, as I was struggling, this was probably seven, eight weeks later, I'd barely made any sales. It was straight commission. And I remember setting, I mean, this is very vivid for me. Like I remember setting on a curb late at night for my friend who was a sales rep to pick me up. And I remember I had worked like 12 hours that day. I had made zero sales, so zero money. That whole week I'd made zero sales, so zero money. I was newly married at that point. I had my daughter, Cammy was maybe six, seven months old. Mm. And I was to the point like, we're not gonna have enough money to pay rent um, you know, in two or three weeks from now. And I remember like, I still remember like the sweat, like it was wow. so hot and humid in the summer, the sweat like rolling down my, my chest and my legs, like just aching and stuff. Cause I'd walked all over day, like knocking doors. And I, and I, at that point I felt, I would say emotionally broken. Mm. And, and I, and I was like to the point, like I, you know, I need to do something else. And and when my friend picked me up, this is kind of something that really changed my life, you know, um, looking back at it. And, I, and, and at the time, I didn't think it would, had a big impact. But now, you know, several years later, I'm just like, wow, that like saved my sales career. Wow. But I got into his car and he popped in a Tony Robbins CD. If you know the personal development guru, course, Tony, right? Who doesn't, right? Yeah, exactly. And Tony said something like this, and I, and I might be butchering it, but he said, most people fail for the simple reason they don't learn the right skills necessary to succeed. They don't learn the right skills. And he goes on to say that everybody's taught skills. Everybody's taught skills, right? Everybody, every salesperson's taught some skills. But he said that people that fail are the ones that were not taught the right ones. And right. at that point, it was like a light bulb went off in my head uh, that maybe, you know, just maybe what the company was training me and what I was learning from what I now called the old sales gurus, because they had me read all these old sales books, maybe they just weren't the right skills. Maybe they were outdated and just really didn't work anymore. So at, at that point, like I committed that, to my family that I was going to have to learn the right skills. And that's really where my sales journey started, if that answers your question. That answers it completely and gives a lot more information about a, a bigger picture. And it's funny that you are able to go into your memory and pick out the very small little details on how you felt with the emotional side of it, of being yeah. newly married, you know, six, seven month old daughter. Yeah. Sitting on a curb, making zero money. Yeah. When you were sitting <laughs> on that curb, man. right? When you were sitting on that curb, mm -hmm. did you imagine the type of level of success you would achieve in your career? Ne never, never, never would imagine it. I was like a little, schoolboy. I was like a, a lamb being led to the slaughter because I didn't know the right skills. Like I, I wow. didn't know, you know, and I, and I look back and I'm so fortunate. Um, you know, my degree in college was behavioral science and human psychology. So I was learning those type of things while I was learning like traditional selling and right. you know, we'll get into that as, as you probably asked me some more questions, but I, I'm grateful uh, to, to God in, in my mind that he allowed me to have that opportunity to be able mm -hmm. to learn those skills because if he hadn't and if i hadn't done something about it i wouldn't i wouldn't be here with you on this on this call for sure right and i appreciate everything you just said to all the listeners i'm sure they got a lot of value from that i'm sure that everybody has a similar you know significant pivotal moment in their career mm -hmm. that shifted their life 
in a positive way, sometimes in a negative way. Was, would you say that that's the most significant pivotal moment for you in your sales career? It was the most significant pivotal moment right there. Right then and there, I had to make a decision to, to go out and find the right skills because right. here's the deal. I was being taught like sales skills. It wasn't like they weren't teaching us skills or having us read, us, read books, you know. So I was being taught these traditional skills from the company and, and all the gurus. Mm -hmm. And I would notice that some of them would work when I used them and I would, and I would make a few sales. But I also noticed a lot of their techniques didn't work at all. And when I used them, I would actually lose more sales than if I had not used them. And at that time, I remember I was reading a book by Robert Kiyosaki, you know, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series. Like my friend was making money in real estate. And he's like, you got to read this book about being in real estate. I'm like, okay, I mean, I'm 21. Like, what does a 21-year-old kid know? And it talked about becoming a millionaire. And I'm like, well, I don't know anything about real estate, but how do I become a millionaire as a salesperson? This is literally like when I first started thinking about this. Like, how can I be a salesperson working for a company and make a million dollars a year. And that was my whole thing. But, mm -hmm. but at a, at, after a little while of studying all these traditional sales trainers, I, I, I started to ask myself probably a more intelligent question. And I thought right. if these sales gurus know all this stuff and they're so great at selling, how come none of them were making seven figures a year as a salesperson in their jobs before they started a company and became a so-called sales guru. Like mm -hmm. how was I ever gonna get to that level of income as a salesperson if all the sales training I was getting were from people who were never able to get to that level themselves? Like how could they teach me those skills if they never got there? Exactly. Do you see what I mean? Exactly. And that started like making my mind think like, maybe I shouldn't be learning all these things from, from these gurus. And the main thing with these gurus and the, and the people that and I looked up to over the years and you, we share similar views and we have a very similar parallels in our lives that's led us to what we do today. And it comes from, you know, effort, dedication, passion. Yeah. Everyone knows their passion. They're just lying to yourself if they don't and what actually drives you and figuring out what works for you may not work for someone else, but the old techniques and the old gurus, sometimes when you're reading some of these books, does something different to a younger salesperson because they think, okay, this person has did it for 30 years and done it very successfully, but they can't do it today, Jeremy. Yeah. And, that's, and that actually leads me to the next question I wanted to ask you for the listeners. Is yeah. Recently, you asked me to be a guest on your podcast show, Closers or Losers. Thank you, by yeah. the way. I thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed it. Right. Love the name. Mm -hmm. The main thing I wanted to ask you with it is, is that what led you to your success in understanding their old techniques and a new model of selling and developing all the success you've had. Congratulations with all the business stuff. Sure. And closers are losers. Talk to me a little bit about that podcast show. Well, yeah, it's, you know, I had to come up with a name that was kind of, I don't want to say controversial, but well, basically, yeah. It is. Yeah, I like uh, it. Because everybody's like, I'm a closer. I'm a salesperson. I'm a closer. But here's the deal. Every company that I worked for when I was a W-2 or 1099 salesperson that I would come into, they would always say, the salesperson would be like, we're closers and we're so great. And I would make 10, 20 times more money than they would. And I never called myself a closer. <laughs> um, I looked at myself as more of a problem finder and problem solver. Like I'm there to solve these people's problems that I was selling to. Um, and so... Here's the deal. If it, it's not to means the show is not about hey if you're if you're selling you're making sales you're a loser. Obviously not, right? If you're not making sales you're a loser. 
But if you're still using old school selling techniques, old school closing techniques from the dinosaur ages of selling, when we have a completely new buyer, a completely new consumer in our day and age than we did even 10 years ago, you are losing sales that you could be making, that you could be making for yourself, your family, your company, and, and really setting yourself up for financial freedom for generations to come. So that's what the whole show is about, is about interviewing. We interview uh, top sales trainers like yourself that our methodologies align with each other that I feel are really getting results out there in the market for right. clients, salespeople and companies. And we interview salespeople that have gone through our training as well that make at least 350000 a year in commissions as a salesperson because we want our listeners to not just get pumped up and excited because that wears off. It we does. want our listeners to actually have skill sets to know the right questions, to be able to go out and have results. Because to me, that's why I started a, a training company was to get people results, not just to pump them up and make them excited. And that wears off in three days. It does. And the motivation only gets you so far. It's going, it's just like a fuse, a yeah. flame. It's going to deteriorate over time and, and wear off. So what are you going to do when all, when you spending 10 to 12 hours on the phone, trying to break through someone's emotional baggage, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, our emotional barriers. Sure. What are you going to do during those times? How are you going to push forward? Well, you're That's not, big, you're not, if you don't have the right no. skills, if you don't it, have the right questions to ask, if you don't know how to listen, you don't know exactly what to say and how to ask and how to pause and exactly tonality. Well, you're, you're dead in 2020. Completely. Using your pauses is something that I train on a lot. Yeah. I like to, a lot of salespeople, don't like awkward silences yeah. and they get caught up into that and they feel like they should be saying something. Right. I use my pauses for effect because I really, I'm looking for an answer. And sometimes when they don't answer Jeremy, I say, don't worry, I'll wait. <laughs> Cause yeah, I want them to respond. Pausing causes tension and, and it in does. a good way, good tension. It's not bad tension where they're resisting you, but it causes them tension where they have to really think. Absolutely problems they have are doing to them and it makes and that, them really become that, emotional that leads into the next question i'm sorry if i talked over you a little bit but the communication breakdown that i often very often see in sales when conversation moves from easy to difficult because they don't want that tension on a phone call or right. you know that type of uncomfortableness when they can't overcome because they don't have the emotional intelligence to be able to deal with it when they do open up that can of worms Sure. When they try to use the old techniques, the hard selling approach, yeah, is that? Would you say that that's the reason why communication breaks down as much in sales? Well, let me give you let me give you an example. Let me let me you know I always do this with um, with different companies. There there's three er eras of selling. Okay, mm -hmm. if your listeners want to write this down, so you've got era number one, and I actually wrote down some of these notes so I wouldn't forget for your listeners. In air in air one selling because you've got three different types of salespeople, different errors of them learning and you have three different types of consumers and we have to match this. So in error one, that was all about like, you know, you're talking about sales training from like the 60s, 70s, 80s, where it was mainly boiler room selling. You know, you're mm -hmm. talking about wolf on Wall Street, manipulate them, posture them. You know, you're the authority figure, uh, be aggressive, always be closing, being really excited about what you sell. 
you know, be pumped up when you're talking to them and somehow they're going to be excited about your product or service too. That's error one. Now, error two, you know, came out probably in the late 80s, 90s, and they call that consultative selling, you know, mm -hmm. books by spin selling, if you've ever read that. And that's where you were taught how to, hey, you need to ask questions. Wow, it's revolutionary. You need to ask <laughs> questions uh, to find out the needs of the client, you know, logical based questions to find out the needs. Like Mr. Prospect, you know, some questions from that era would be like, you know, what are two or three problems you're having? Or, you know, what keeps you up late at night? I mean, everybody asks that question. It's so right. old school, right? So, but they're logical based questions. And when you ask logical based questions, what type of answers do your prospects answer with? Logical based answers. Right. And Zero emotion to it. Zero. On logic or emotion. Emotion, mm -hmm. right? So it's still more persuasive than error number one, but you're still having to play the numbers game because very little emotion is brought out by logical-based questions. And now we're in error three, okay? And we're more per the most persuasive when we allow others to persuade themselves. Right. That's called dialogue. You know, we call it neuroemotional persuasion questions. And the question is, how do you do that? You, can you just show up and say, hey, you know, John, persuade yourself and, um, you know, write out the check in my name? No, you have to learn specific skilled questions when and how to ask them in your conversations mm -hmm. that get your prospect to sell themselves, to Absolutely. pull you in rather than you selling them. But here's the key. If you're still selling an error one and error two techniques, well, you're selling to error three consumers. Do you see mm -hmm. the, the conflict there? If you're yes, still using huge. techniques from error one and error two, but all consumers are in error three <laughs> being consumers, there's going to be a disconnect there. And that's why so many companies, um, you know, they, they have to play the numbers game. They have to spend so much money on marketing. Their conversions are so low mm -hmm. because they haven't adapted their sales techniques to today's consumer. And that's why so many salespeople and companies, they, they might be here, they, but they literally could be here if they started learning air three sales techniques. Well, it's always learning. I mean, we've talked about that on numerous of phone calls that we've had in meetings, you know, the more that you take an effort to learn more each day and try to improve in some type of way, Jeremy, I try to improve 1% every day. Me too. Every day, every single day. I don't stop. And the main thing with, when you're learning every day, you're consuming new information and putting it against everything you already know. And you're trying to figure out how can I cultivate the right approach to break through to the right listener yep. or the right buyer? Mm -hmm. Because it's not about the products or service or t-shirts or popsicles. It's never about that. What it's always about is figuring out, okay, how can I tie the emotion to the logic so they can justify it to make the right decision? Right. And that's powerful. If yeah. you get the right type of skill set and focusing on that skill set. Yeah is very difficult to hone in on because a lot of people aren't going to take the time and effort to do it. Sure. I mean, it, for, yeah, right. it does take time. It, it takes effort. And, and, and to answer, kind of finish that answering that question, because that was kind of a long response. But, you know, if you really think about it, because uh, all of this has changed, you know, 20 plus years ago, what was the bridge between the company and the consumer? It was, of course, the salesperson. Absolutely. Right? Because, you know, they would have to go out and they'd have to educate the public. And, and the public expected to be educated. So, company would send out the rep, educate the public about their products or services. 
and really besides radio, TV, maybe newspaper, that was the way the consumer learned about what you're offering. But in our day with, you know, technology, right. uh, the ease of the internet, especially, especially social media, Goodness, we're just yes. in a different age, right? We call that the information age buyer. So the consumers know all about your company, your products or services, your pricing, your, who your competitors are, how long you've been in business, they know everything about you by simply doing a Google search. I've been on their phone. And because of that newfound power, they'll no longer be manipulated or pressured nope. by pushy, aggressive salespeople because they know they have many choices to choose the exact product or service you sell. Right. A lot of people, they fail because they talk about themselves. I was just recently talking to someone. I can't remember who it was. I think it was another sales trainer. Mm -hmm. And they were brought up to my attention. They were like, listen, when I talk, when my salespeople are having problems because they keep talking about themselves, they don't give a shit who you are. They don't care. They already know the name of your company and they know what you're, everything you're about. What they're looking for is a connection or looking for an expert to tell them what to do, yeah. how they should go about making yeah. that system or product or service work for, out for them. Yeah. That's what they're looking for. So when you have someone and a lot of salespeople, they have an objection or they'll go, me too. They'll try to agree too much with a buyer. And I'm like, I went through something similar, Jeremy, and I know exactly how you feel. No, this right. is how you develop being an expert. Yeah. As you talk about, Jeremy, I had someone that I helped years ago with a very similar issue. Sure. Would you like to learn how I helped them? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, nobody cares about you. Like, I, I love the salespeople that have the, you know, the presentations and they have the the picture of the corporate office and here's our corporate <laughs> office and here's the picture of my family. Like nobody cares. Yeah, no one cares. All they care about is can you solve their problems and get results? If they feel like you can, they're going to go with you. They don't care about anything else. They don't care. I mean, and that would probably support some of the information and the knowledge out there today of why people are learning so much about EQ, emotional intelligence, and how much science plays into today's world. I mean, how much do you feel EQ and science plays into both sides of the buyer-seller relationships? Well, I mean, science, so, okay, so in, you know, I'm, I'm a behavioral scientist, right? Yes. So, um, you know, that's what I went to college for, human psychology. I, actually, I never actually graduated. I dropped out my senior year. <laughs> I was making too much money. Who knew? Who knew? I was 22, right? Um, but science, when I, when I was in behavioral science, I learned that, that people made decisions, you know, about what to do, what to buy, anything based on certain triggers in their mind, in their brain, mm -hmm. okay? Um, so I'm like, okay, how do I take that and interject that into sales, and that's, that's really what I did. That's, that's where I came up with NEPQ we'll talk about. But we have to understand that every prospect you talk to has problems and challenges buried in their subconscious mind, okay? Mm -hmm. No matter what you sell, it doesn't matter what it is. There's feelings they have from the past, conditioning, like it's all buried back there, okay? Your questioning ability can help them uncover those problems, take those problems from their subconscious to their conscious mind. When those problems come from their subconscious to their subconscious, their dreams, their goals, ambitions, like that they've buried, because they don't think they can accomplish that. When they come to their subconscious, it now makes it urgent for them to take action in their mind. 
Yes. So it goes from just a little problem like, oh, maybe we'll look at that later or get back to me later to a massive problem that they have to solve right now. Only your questioning ability can actually get that from their subconscious to their conscious. Once you learn how to do that, that's where your income and sales can go. Game changer. It's a game changer. At to here. That's where you as a company go, can go from here to here. And I've seen that, you know, I've seen that with, you know, we have a fortune 500 company that we train and they do billions of dollars a year. It's a big search engine. Somebody might've heard of them, but billions of year, a year. So they're already doing really well, but how do they get to the next level? You know, it's, it's these type of techniques that, that we train them to really help them right. um, get to that next level. It's all about the science. If you don't understand the science behind it and the psychology behind, you know, think about the best psychologist in the world, just get, or the best doctors, right? Let's just talk about psychologists for a second. They get paid thousands of dollars an hour to listen and ask questions. The mm-hmm. best psychologists don't tell you what your problem is. They don't tell you what to do about it. They listen and ask the right questions to get their client to solve their own problem. That's why it's a very get- simple approach. I mean, you have to look at it just even you walk into a doctor's office. Yeah. If they don't ask the right diagnostic questions to get to the root and cause of the problem, yeah. they're going, that's malpractice. Well, yeah, it's like the doctor coming in and be like, um, your back hurts. Okay, great. I think you should uh, do this, this, and this, take this <laughs> drug and let's have this surgery come in tomorrow. Here you go. That's what most salespeople do. They'll ask a few questions, logical-based questions, and then wait for an opportunity to jump in with their exactly. pit, jump into their solution, and then they wonder why they get rejected and all these objections. You need to train your buyers on how to make better decisions yeah. and where they're getting their information. I spent a lot of time training sales teams similar to how you train them, and that's, that's why I'm so excited about having you on on this episode because there's a lot of principles on a new model of selling. Mm-hmm. Can you tell listeners a little bit more about why those principles and what are they and what, how can yeah. they develop the right skill set? Yeah. So there's five, there's five principles of the new model of selling. If, if they want to write this down, uh, principle number one is learning how to become a problem finder and problem solver. Okay. Right. So most salespeople, most companies, we call them, product pushers. Now that's no offense, but you know, just as well as I do, when you started, you know, training with your first company, they gave you a slick all about the features and uh, benefits of the product, right? They're what are called product pushers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we teach salespeople how to become problem finders and problem solvers because in our day and age, it's not enough to just um, solve problems. Like you always read in books like, Oh, you've got to become a problem solver. Hey, makes complete sense, right? But you now have to be even better at problem finding. Now, what does that mean? What does becoming a problem finder mean? It means being able to ask the right questions that uncover, like we just talked about, certain challenges and problems that your prospect might not even know they have. Or maybe they know about the problem, but they don't know the extent of what it could do to them in the future, right? And if you can't help them uncover their own problems in their mind, it's impossible for them to buy from you so you can actually solve their problems. Right. And you failed your buyer. And, and you, you completely failed. You, yeah. Yes. When people, when salespeople say, oh, buyers are liars, that just really irks me. Mm. Buyers only lie 
because there's certain things you did when you were communicating with them where they didn't trust you. And so they didn't open up to you and they lied to you. That can change. You can make people authentic. You can make them trust you. Now, yes. most salespeople, like I said, are product pushers. They ask a few logical based questions, then they go into pitch mode. And that's like taking a bucket of mud, throwing it up against the wall, hoping, hoping, it and, praying, hoping and praying that something we're going to say is going to trigger that person to want to buy from us. And I call that hopium. <laughs> it's a drug that so many salespeople are on where they just hope and pray something they're going to say is going to magically make that person want to buy from them. And it's such a hard and unpredictable way to grow a company or to make a living in sales. Like it doesn't work. So that's principle number one. Um, principle number two is asking the right questions at the right time. You know, we've talked about that. Yes. Uh, principle number three is really listening to what they mean, not just what they're saying. Now, what does that mean? Um, most salespeople have what I call selective listening. All they do is they listen for a break in the conversation to be able to interject with their solution. You know, oh yeah, let me tell you about this part of our product. It's going to do this, this, and this. That's all they do. It's selective listening. It has to be real listening. You know, like have you ever, let me give you an example. Let's say that you're sitting at a restaurant and uh, you're talking to your friend about something really important that's happening to you in your life. And all of a sudden a waitress or waiter walks by and they, while you're talking, look at the waiter or waitress. How does that make you feel? doesn't make you feel good at all. It makes you feel like you're unimportant, whatever you're saying. Exactly. Or, you know, you're talking to a friend or whatever about something important. They get a text message and they start looking at the text. I right. mean, that's a lot of distracted. Yeah. People are distracted nowadays, completely distracted. That's why trying to focus on how can I remain present is, at all times uh -huh. and whatever you're working on is very difficult, but go ahead and finish What you're yeah. saying is gold. Yeah. And it's selective listening. So I mean like real listening, mm -hmm. like, and, and what, and not listening to just listen, but listen to what are they meaning? Not just what they're saying. So if they say, I can't afford it, what does that mean? You don't really know what that means because that can mean different things to different people, right? So you have to ask what are called clarifying questions to find out what, what's yes. behind that. Uh, principle number four, we call that feed, feeding back what they said they want to change and commitment. We don't teach closing skills here. We teach commitment skills. So we're asking the right like commitment questions to get them to commit, to take the next step, to solve their problem by their solution. I don't like the, the word closing. I, I just think it's overused. I don't care if anybody uses it, uh, but we're all about asking the right commitment questions to get them to commit, to take the next step, purchase your solution. And then five really is, re is a really important one. And that's eliminating sales pressure. Because when we, you know, when we, when we're talking to prospects, if you're being extremely pushy, and aggressive, it, it triggers what's called sales resistance yes. in today's buyer. And, and the buyer will do one of two things. And, and I want your listeners to, to watch this as they go out and sell when, after they listen to this today. They're, your buyer's gonna do one of two things. It's just human psychology. They're either gonna A, get defensive, throw out objections, reject what you're offering. A lot of A-type personalities will do that. Or they're going to uh, say things like this. Oh, that's really nice. Um, can you leave me some information? Um, maybe we can set up another appointment in a month or two. We're very interested. I need to talk to my spouse. Can you call me back in a week, a month, a year later? And then they go into witness protection mode. And when you yes. call them back, they don't answer. You leave a message. They don't return your call. You send them an email. They don't respond. 
So one of two things happen when you have sales pressure. So what we teach is how to use what's called neutral language, neutral language that's not negative or too positive, too salesy, that get them to open up to your ideas or your way of thinking. So those are the five principles of the new model of selling, if that helps. I hope everyone listened to that and paid attention to everything that Jeremy's just sharing with you, sharing with you nothing but gold. And it's every approach that I have to retrain companies with, Jeremy. Because the whole thing right now is when people show up for an appointment where they go and enroll into a program or start the buying process and they're interested about a company, what's happening right now is inside their brain, they, their fight or flight's going off. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and they, all they need to understand is that when they show up for their first appointment or their first sales encounter, you want them to drop their guard and realize that you're there to help them and not judge them. Yeah. Yeah. You're there to, you're there to see if you can help them solve their problems. You're not exactly. just there to stuff your solution down their throat. And the hope, the hopium you talked about just yeah. for a second, what is the best rehab like dialogue framework for that? Yeah, it's, it's learning certain questions to ask because you, you will have 100% confidence once you learn the right questions. You know, in, in our framework, you know, we, te- we show you how to ask what are called connecting questions that put the focus on them and off of you. Uh, you learn how to ask situation questions that find out their present situation. You learn how to ask what are called problem awareness questions to find out what their problems are and why they have those problems. And most importantly, what those problems are doing to them personally. Right. Motion comes out. Most salespeople never get to that level of questionability where people can open up because they don't know how to ask those questions to, to, make the, to have the person want to open up, right? So that's what we show you how to do. Solution awareness questions that basically find out um, what they've done in the past to solve the problem. Consequence questions, you know, what are the potential consequences consequences or ramifications if they don't do anything about solving the problem and then really commitment questions that get them committed to take the next step to either have the next meeting if it's more of a complex sale to further discovery or to purchase what you're offering so that dialogue framework is extremely important and if you do it the right way your objections are really 80 90 percent eliminated objections are a complete reflection on how well you've done your job as a salesperson completely Any sales trainer that says, and, and mark my words, if you ever hear a sales trainer say these words, run the other way. If they say the more objections you get, that means they're more interested. Uh, that is no. completely bullshit. I want you to think about it. The easiest sales you've ever made didn't have objections, right? None. But you're telling me that the more objections a person has, the more interested they are, nothing could be further from the truth. The more objections they have, the more they're trying to get rid of you. Exactly. That's just human psychology. So that's just a lazy way for a sales trainer to say basically what they're training you doesn't really work that way. Exactly. And you get a lot of it. I mean, I've been, I've had sales trainers come into my old workplace years ago before I branched out on my own and they would try to sell me their new approach that, is bulletproof and i'm like listen i'm not gonna no offense but i'm i got my own thing going on here and sales isn't a game to me it's a it's all about connection yeah and 
I find, always find a way of being able to break through someone's emotional barriers to get to their emotional baggage to re-anchor those types of beliefs or emotions or whatever it is for me to help them figure out what is the best possible way for them to move or take action on. Yeah. That's all it's about. I mean, let's talk about the biggest ejection out there today, coronavirus. Right. How would you go about handling that type of objection? Well, it depends on what industry you're in. You know, mm -hmm. there's obviously going to be different things with different industries that we train because they're asking us the same question. Um, really, it's, it's, you know, we'd have to get more specific depending on the industry, but it's really asking, there's three parts of helping a, a person overcome their own objection. I don't like to say, uh, you know, objection handling. I call it more of like helping the person overcome their own concern in their own right. It's good. What we call that is, first of all, we have to clarify, what does the objection even mean? So when they throw out an objection, like what does that actually mean? Like what's behind that? We then want to discuss that as like a friend discussing it with a friend. Like we're looking for a common solution because we're on the same team. And then we want to ask what are called diffusing questions. You know, with lead-in statements like, John, can I suggest something? Yeah, sure, go ahead. What if it wasn't what you thought it was? And what if you could do it this, you know, this way, X, Y, Z, whatever you're selling? Would that help you? You know, different things like that. We call them diffusing questions. So it depends, like I said, each industry is going to be different right. about how, how you respond to that. Uh, but, you know, that's probably going to go away in the next 30 days. Anyway. Of course. I mean, just like everything else in life, it always involves. It just does what it needs to do at that time. I believe a lot of it is a scarcity tactic, but I believe it's the most exciting time for an a online salesperson. Yeah. Because everyone's home. Everyone's not doing anything and they need to be working. You need to, it's all about perception. Yeah. Well, it's a hundred percent. Like, let me give you an example. Like if we got that objection in, in our sales training company, we would just simply say, yeah, that's, you know, let's say, oh, let's get back together in a month or so when the Corona thing is gone or whatever. So yeah, we could definitely do that. Um, can I make a suggestion before we go? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Jeremy. Um, have you ever considered that the top companies right now and top salespeople over the next 30 days are going to have their salespeople really jump into training so they actually sharpen their saw and they really learn the right skills so when they come out in 30 days, their sales teams are actually prepared to sell more to make up for lost revenue. Do you think that might help your sales team as well, possibly? Beautiful. Just I a mean, little question like that. Just a small question. I hope the listeners paid a very close attention on how Jeremy delivered that with his tonality. Yeah. You have to hit their curiosity part of their brain actually controls in yeah. like taking in information. Yeah. Cause then now they're okay. Yeah. I'm open to listen to it's, what Jeremy is telling me. That question there gets them to think like, yeah. Oh, I've never thought about it with the next 30 days. If, if our salespeople studied four hours a day, wow, we could make up for lost revenue in the last 30 days. Cause they never thought about that. That little question gets them to think about the possibility. And then you can further discuss that. And you can't do that at a peak state. So a lot of these people, they're overly excited about their product or service. It's impossible to be able to use your tonality perfectly. Like the way it's all, I would say it played. exactly in that tonality. And some exactly. people are like, oh, that sounds boring. Well, I hate to tell you, the more excited you are when you're talking to a prospect one-on-one, -on -one, the more it triggers them to feel nervous because people exactly. who are excited are nervous. 
And that causes you to think like, what's going on behind that? That's just human nature. There's three conversations going on in your brain as you're speaking. There's a point of view conversation, emotional conversation, and egotistical conversation. Mm -hmm. When you develop enough emotional intelligence to understand those three conversations going on in your customer's brain as you're speaking, you can become extremely powerful. 100%. Because you're not there to manipulate or persuade. What you're there to do is to understand and how to help. Yeah, because in, in our sales training company, we understand that we can solve their problems. If their salespeople start going through the training in the next 30 days, they're going to sell three to four times more when they start back in 30 days. If they don't, their sales are going to be worse. Exactly. Because when they get out of here in 30 days, the companies or people they're selling to are going to be more skeptical. They're going to be more cautious. They're going to hold on to their money a little bit more because of what just happened. So if you exactly. use the same sales skills before, you're not even going to get the same results 30, 45 days later when all this goes away. I would love to have this conversation on another episode as well and breaking this out because this is what usually happens, listeners, when Jeremy and I get on the phone or get face-to-face -face and have a conversation. The conversation could go hours and hours and hours because sure. this is what we do. And I know you have a lot to do today, so vice versa. But let me ask you one question. I know the listeners are going to really want to know this. Yeah. What are three things that you know now, Jeremy, mm -hmm. that you wish you knew much earlier in your path to success? Um, first thing would be, I wish that I would have, and I realized this probably after about a year into it. Um, I wish that I would have known from the very start how to use human behavior to my advantage rather than using sales techniques that work against human behavior. Most sales trainers are still using techniques that literally work against yes. human behavior that cause sales resistance and people throw up a wall and then you have to try to overcome the objections and like it's such a stressful and hard way to make a living. So that first year of my sales life could have been very simple had I learned that skill. Um, the second thing I would have, uh, that I would have um, wished I would have done better is even about 10 years ago, there was a couple years where I, did, I didn't really progress much. Like I felt like, oh, you know, I was already making at that point 10 years ago, I was making well over a million dollars a year in straight commission at my sales job. So I was like, I'm the best in the industry. Like there's nobody even there's nobody here. <laughs> what I'm doing. Like I can't learn anymore. Like I've arrived and I, for the next couple of years, my income stayed the same. Like it didn't go up. It didn't improve, you know, and I didn't, my sales just stayed the same. And I, I realized that I had to let go of my ego and learn from other yeah. people. Right. Even if that person was, you know, the person I'm learning from like 90% of it was just yuck or crap. There was always some golden nuggets I could read in a book or a training that I could use in my sales process to make me better. And that took me from about making about 1.2 million a year to about 2.4 million a year as a salesperson. That's a W-2 employee. That like doubled my income. So I wish I would have let go of my ego. I see so many salespeople, even salespeople that make 80 grand or 150 grand that have a so year caught up into it. massive egos and think they've arrived. And I'm like, dude, you're not understanding. Like you could make five times more of that and selling the same thing if you let go of your ego and learned new skills you really could so let go of your ego and your income will always increase that's always a thing for me though so it comes with the more knowledge that i take in mm -hmm. is the more money that i'll end up producing jeremy yeah. but it's the right information i don't need to read a whole book i can probably read one page over a hundred times and get more out of certain books because yeah. i don't want to be influenced by someone else's thoughts yeah. 
you know, I just don't because I've gotten to the point in my life. I've, I've read over, you know, 40 to 50 books a month, you know, a year yeah. in that year just spanned. That's a lot of information. Do yeah. I take in everything? Absolutely not. Yeah. I'm looking for explicit, explicit knowledge. Exactly. Like snippets. Okay. Okay. I can take that yeah. and tweak it and make it my own. So that way I'm able to perfect my approach more. I agree. The, the last thing I, I would say I wish I learned earlier is how to work um, smarter and not harder. You know, mm -hmm. the first three or four years, I'm like knocking doors all the time, doing all this stuff. How I, if I had realized that I could have easily uh, got more referrals, picked up the phone, it would have made it a lot easier. So learn how to work smarter and not harder for sure is, is a big key. Those Why do salespeople work as like they think they have to work a hundred hours a week to be able to make an that's income? That's what they're taught by sales trainers. It's they're ridiculous. taught the hustle muscle, and you have to work fourteen smile hours dial. to make any money. Dial and you know smile and dial. All that is just old school, just crap. And and you know look at yourself right now. If you're if you're listening to this, where's all that getting you? You know maybe you're making low six figures at the most. Um, you could be making five times more than that if you learn the right skills for sure. Absolutely. How can the listeners find a little bit more information about you? Where can they go and look? Yeah, they can go to our corporate website. It's uh, www. And if you want to put a link in here sometime, it's, it's, I will. it's seventhlevelhq.com. So it's the number seven, T-H, levelhq.com. So just go to seventhlevelhq.com. That's our corporate website. Uh, you'll learn about our methodology. Um, you'll learn about our frameworks, those type of thing. Uh, but yeah, you can definitely go there if, if somebody's looking for something. Absolutely. Absolutely. I encourage every person that listened all the way to the end of this episode to really take action and try to implement some of the things you heard to, on today's episode. That's important. When you learn new information, write it down, figure out how you can implement it within your own system, within your sales process to make more of an impact with your buyers. That's what it's all about. When you make more impact with your buyers, great things happen. And that takes trust and yep. it takes you being able to be in tune with your own emotions mm -hmm. and your own emotional baggage that you probably carry and, and affect your call in a negative way or affect your encounter. Jeremy, I appreciate you being on it. It really means the world to me. And it's, I had fun. I mean, I know that our conversations can get a little fun. lengthy. I, I could have gone another hour with you, but I know you've <laughs> got other uh, appointments. I've got, I've got some hard stops. So Absolutely. It's, it's always a pleasure. I'll be on your show anytime you want. It will have. Right. Sounds great. Yeah, we're going to have to further this conversation. I'm sure the listeners will be sitting in. We have a feedback form in which they fill out and sure. they share a lot of their, you know, what they're going through and some of the maybe bottlenecks that they're having. But other than that, you have an amazing day, everybody. Y'all take care. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So as always, ask yourself, how can you get a little bit better each day? That 1%. Until the next episode, keep moving, keep growing, keep learning. Let's go with our day. Take care. Thank you for taking your time and listening to today's podcast of The Win-Win Effect. As a thank you for listening and tuning in, Chris is rewarding you with a placement course webinar with his team to point you in the right direction to massive success. 
In success, it's all about living a better quality of life. So at the very least, subscribe to the Win Win Effect podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Feel free to share on your social media or simply tell a friend about it. Also, please rate and review the podcast. To find the free webinar and more information, please visit tcrconsultingagency.com.